Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company, to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road, to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life, because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, when we take the time to speak with small cap executives about what's going on with their companies. With us today, for the first time ever, Aras Azadian. He's CEO and co-founder of Avicana, the company trades on the TSX under the stock symbol AVCN for our friends in the U.S. on the OTC QX, AVCNF, and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under ONN. Now, for those of you who knew the story, and that's going to be a lot of you. You're in for a treat. You're about to discover an unbelievable company that you know is, has been a sleeper all this time, and for good reason. Avicana is basically a vertically vertically integrated uh, biopharma company in the cannabis space. But when we mean vertically integrated, when we say that, we mean it. They've got four fully operating divisions that are all science backed and either commercializing or about to commercialize. So they've got a consumer retail side where they've got the only known CBD cosmetics that are backed by clinical trials, more than just lip service. Uh, global distribution is going to begin in 2020. And products being covered, being, being carried by Shoppers Drug Mart. Medical cannabis side, evidence-based medical cannabis. We're going to talk about that, not just running out there for the sake of any kind of generic medical cannabis. Exclusive di distribution there through Canada's online store of shoppers. Uh, that's a fantastic relationship, great third-party validation. Their pharmaceutical side has got three products already as far as phase two. Uh, so they're doing fantastic work there. And on their cultivation side, 500,000 square feet of cultivation in, in uh, Colombia. That's USDA certified organic. They made some history there. We're going to talk about that. I won't take away the surprise right now. But here to talk about all that is Aras. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, George. Pleasure to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you because I think Avicana is probably the biggest untold story in cannabis. Where has Avicana been? Where have you guys been? We've been developing. You know, I mean, for the last five years, uh, it's the same team of, of executives, clinicians, researchers, really taking a sophisticated approach towards the future of this industry. You know, we've been, since inception, we knew, we knew that we're going to draw that line in the sand and we're going to be focused on data on science on evidence-backed products on quality products not just you know your typical garage made basic formulations and we knew that there is a future of this industry so let's focus on actually having the intellectual property and the advanced formulations for that future rather than you know promoting and building a company based on on thin air well look a lot of investors have been really disappointed in the cannabis space in the last 18 months because it it came out like a rocket and everyone had high hopes, but Aras, fair to say that this is the tortoise and the hare where uh, the hare, most of the industry, and they just rushed in to try and capitalize on what they thought was going to be, and they did, right? Highly yep. promotional, a lot of money made, but then they fell flat on their face, whereas you've taken the tortoise approach, slow, steady, and now you're 
a rock solid behemoth? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're very well respected within the industry. We're thought leaders. Um, we there's many very well respected companies within the industry that are leveraging or utilizing our formulations, paying us royalties, which is a big validation. Wow. You know, so uh, what I would say to your comment around the industry is, yeah, I mean, it, this industry is not going anywhere. It's going to be here right. for the rest of human you know history, um, and we're in the early innings. We're in the beginning of the sector, but in the early stage, you had a lot of people that wanted to leverage off the, the capital market opportunity, the promotional opportunity, very few that actually wanted to build companies, you know, and, and I think that's what happened. there's, I, and I always say, I think the industry is very real. The potential of the industry is very real. And the fact that it's going to be a $2 billion market probably in Canada this year alone tells you what the size of this industry really is. And it is growing month by month, the size of the rec and adult use slash medical is all growing. So, the industry is real. It's just, unfortunately, for the retail investors, many of the the, the early stage companies that that, that were that were, are being watched that were, you know and made these incredible promises were not able to fulfill them. But it, well, it doesn't take away from the reality and the potential of the industry. And that's what I love about this Avacan opportunity. It's almost as if some investors have gone away thinking, well, stock prices are down, market cap market caps are down, therefore. The industry's not going anywhere, but they're all going to wake up one day and realize, hey, it's growing monthly, yearly, decade by decade, and uh, and I got to find the real company. So Avacana for us is definitely one of those. Let's briefly go through your verticals because you're doing amazing things in every vertical. Uh, so let's start off with the one that's probably easiest to understand. It's your CBD cosmetics line. That's being distributed through Shoppers Drug Mart. Before we get into the, even the product, what does that mean to you guys in terms of validation? And what does that mean uh, to your potential partners uh, that you've been talking to to have that kind of validation? So like to start off, when we when we set out to build Avicana, we are a biotech company, we're a drug development company, but we know that by the time we get a drug to the market, it's, it's gonna be years. So we said, well, let's diversify. Let's create a diversified revenue stream model that makes allows us to generate cash and ultimately be cash flow positive prior or in advance of any of the drugs actually getting registered. So then we, through our vertical integration, have a raw material business, we have a consumer product business, we have a medical business, and then we have a pharma pipeline. Within the consumer product business, we have what we call Pura. Pura is a skincare line. So it's actually a dermatology or dermacosmetic line of products that have been designed specifically for various uses for skincare. So these are combinations of CBD isolates combined with other natural ingredients. I'll use an example of, we have a, we have a cream that's designed for acne prone skin. It's a combination of rosemary extract and tea tree oil plus CBD. So we develop these formulations, not just throwing CBD into a base cream, but developing really a formula that's targeted for a particular utility. And it's science backed, right? It's not George grab some CBD, mix up some stuff and say, here's a CBD cosmetics line. Like it's really backed by science. Yeah, we have, we have about 25 researchers, like PhDs and clinicians in the company. So whatever we do, whether it's a consumer product, is treated with the same level of, of scientific uh, rigor that, that a pharmaceutical drug is. So we've taken that science approach to developing these advanced formulations. The, the reason why we call it a cosmetic is its designation in the commercial markets in the United Kingdom, in the U.S., is a cosmetic but it's really skincare products. And they're now commercial in Colombia. They're approved for sales in the European Union, and they're gonna be approved for sales in the United States in the next couple of weeks. 
So well, this that's a global distribution I touched on at the, at the beginning. Right. That's impossible to do, right? If, if, I, if I got Georgia CBD company here in Canada, I can formulate some stuff and try and sell it online. But in order, in order to really get global distribution, you have to prove to uh, your partners, distributors, customers around the world that what is it? Is it that it's I, obviously it's, it's backed by clinical trials. What did those clinical trials tell you and, and in order to pass that on to your customers and your partners? So, so you're making a good point there. I mean, anyone can easily go into a bathtub and make some cream and pour in some CBD and call it a skincare product. Right. We took a very serious approach to the R&D, identifying which formulations go well with what other ingredients for what particular use. We then did human clinical trials on these products. So we've conducted three clinical trials on these products on three different ones, one for acne prone skin, one for eczema prone skin, and one for anti-aging. We then completed those studies, took the data, and submitted those for approvals into various regions. I can now sell Pura across the European Union because I have the appropriate data, I have the appropriate stability, and I'm manufacturing under GMP conditions, which makes the product registrable and sellable in those markets. I can do the same thing for the United States. I can do the, I am already doing the same thing in Latin America. Right. So the reality is it's, it's, it's meeting those specifications and the requirements for these products to be actually be able to be sold in these markets. We've done the hard work. Now we're at the very exciting stage of the commercial. You know, we're already selling these products in some markets. We're expanding into major markets. And these are superior products. They're by far the most advanced CBD skincare products in the world. And they're the only ones that are backed by human clinical trials that we know of today. So once they, they do get into these markets, which is what we're working on, we're, we get to work with the best retailers. Because these are companies that want that level of quality, trust, and data. They're the ones who are going to do the work for you in terms of making sure George, the consumer, Mary, the consumer actually knows you've got a pre that this is a premium product as opposed to Bob's bathtub generated CBD uh, cream. Uh, so the, I guess just price point alone is going to tell the consumer, hey, this, this, this product is selling at a premium to everything else. It's got to be a better product at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and it will be in, in particular shelves that you know, George's bath, uh, bath tub cream will not be it, right? Like these, these, the major retailers at big box around the world, they have standards. You know, we're talking about a stigmatized right. industry. Some of them are starting to pick up cannabinoid products, CBD products, but they have standards. And when you are in Avicana, you have that reputation, you're backed up by actual academic and clinical collaborators and research and GMP manufacturing, you're a lot more likely to get on the shelf of these major retailers than Sure. That, you know, in, in the, the bathtub formulation. So, Absol what, absolutely. so that, that gets us past the door. That gets us into a place where regulators don't have an issue with the claims we're making. I can substantiate the claims I'm making. You know, the FDA sends out a lot of letters to people saying, hey, you can't, you can't say, tell people that if they try your oil drop, they're going to be safe from COVID. <laughs> Things like that are happening, you know. So for yeah. us, as a, as a pharmaceutical company, we're, we're, we're not in the business of getting on the wrong side of the FDA or Health Canada. We're in, the right, we're, we're in the business of doing things the right way and making sure that we have a long-term, you know, visibility within these markets. Market size, you know, given the fact that you're the only known, you know, CBD cosmetics line that's backed by clinical trials, can you, do we even know what the market size is for that right now? Because you're going into uncharted, great territory, but it's still uncharted territory. Do you guys have any sense for what that might mean in terms of top line revenue, either per category, per country, globally? So, so I, I think this is the biggest misconception within 
the cannabinoid space is the fact that people think everything cannabis related is the same category, same market potential. So I think we have to take a step back and first analyze that. My answer to that is you have your recreational adult use market, and that has X amount of dollars of value. Let's say the Canadian recreational slash adult use market is worth $2 billion in 2020. Then you have your medicinal slash pharmaceutical utility, and that's not a cannabis market size. That's a chronic pain, anxiety, palliative care, sleep market, which is trillions. You know, and then you have your ingredient side, which is formulations and products that cannabinoids can in be included in. So my skincare cosmetic product is not a cannabis market potential. It's a cosmetic market potential. Okay. You're talking about a trillion dollar industry of cosmetics globally. The difference is people are not going to just buy your product just because it has cannabis in it. You have to educate. You have to show the data. You have to say why why do I even want CBD in my skincare line? And that's what we explain. You know, CBD has an incredible effect from an anti-inflammatory perspective and more of a cell sort of uh, homeostasis perspective that allows it to be a very good super ingredient to be in a skincare product. But you have to deliver that appropriately. And we've done that work and we've ensured that these formulations work. So I'm not targeting a cannabis channel or a cannabis market. I'm targeting a cosmetic market within that pure line. Great clarification. Thank you for that. that. That's fantastic. Let's hop off. Let's hop over to your medical cannabis side, which, which you call evidence-based medical cannabis. Uh, Aras, I know one problem for doctors that I've spoken to myself has been, you know, we understand that there's benefits to medical cannabis, but we don't have any support information that gives me comfort in prescribing medical cannabis to George. So some doctors obviously do, a lot of them do but a lot of them wanted uh, much more evidence-based. Is that the reason why you went this far and, and why Shoppers is, uh, you got this exclusive arrangement with, with the online version of Shoppers Cannabis? Absolutely. I mean, it, if I was to create a sort of a value chain, I would say adult use comes first, rec. It's the easiest, you know, and, and you can grow weed, dry it, put it in a bag, sell it, complete, you know, and, from there comes the same companies, the same product, and the, but they just call it medical, and that's what it is. And then you have on the other side of the spectrum, which is pharmaceutical drugs, which are indication-specific, have gone through various stages of clinical development that have been registered. In between that, there's, there's a massive audience of actual patients that could benefit from the utility of cannabinoids for different diseases, different different comorbidities, which include, you know, anxiety, pain, sleep, depression, uh, many, many, many other areas, right? Spasticity, like in MS and Parkinson's, et cetera. For those patients, they don't want a joint, you know, and th those doctors don't want to prescribe joints. Right. So the medical community today is prescribing cannabis in a very small percentage, let's say less than 10% of the doctors are prescribing medical cannabis because some are open to it and some are just, they know the patients are going and buying these products anyways. But the medical community has never been provided, at least in Canada so far, with a formulary. So a line of products that are designed for only medical utility. You know, like, so my products, there's no joints. It's capsules, sublingual sprays, oil drops, topical products that are all appropriately dosed. The dosing is specific, so a patient and a doctor can organize a, a titration schedule, a regimen on how to increase the dose. These products are always going to be consistently delivered. 
we're not talking about is it purple hazer or or Kush. Right. We're talking about CBD to THC ratios and doses. Right. Products have gone through appropriate stability studies. So when we say a product is shelf life stable, it means three months, four months after you you buy that product and you're dosing, that dose is still accurate. You're you know the cannabinoids aren't actually degra degrading or you know going away. And then finally, we've done the preclinical work. So we've done in vitro, we've done in vivo studies, we've learned a lot more about our products so that when we educate the medical practitioners, even if we can't say things like, this is good for chronic pain, which you cannot yet, you can at least say this product works very fast. This product works very slow. This product is the topical, it's only good for your skin. So we can add a little bit more data, a little bit more specifications on that delivery. And as a medical only company, the medical community really, really, really relates well to that. And are you, you know? finding that that's actually, uh, you know, blunt question? How has it been received by the doctors that you're presenting uh, that you're presenting the products to? Uh, you know, are you really seeing a, a a real turn in sentiment? Is it incremental, exponential? You know, what's what's the feedback again from the medical community that gives you confidence that they're going to be prescribing it? So, so this was frankly caused by the medical community because our focus was let's sell products abroad because we're cultivating, we're extracting in Colombia, we're manufacturing elsewhere. And Canada was really a place where we did our research. You know, we do our R&D inside of a Mars district, inside a Johnson & Johnson incubator, inside the University of Toronto's Faculty of Pharmacy in a collaboration. So we do a lot of our R&D there, but we never thought we were going to come and actually sell products in the Canadian market, at least within the last couple of years. But our reputation, our credibility, our relationships with the medical community, with the top hospitals in this country, and when we speak to these clinicians, they would complain to me and say, Aras, I don't feel comfortable prescribing a medical product from the same company that has recreational products. There is no standardization. There's no actual dose control medicine. So why don't you, why don't you launch your products in Canada? And, and that conversation sort of evolved into having conversations with shoppers, which was basically saying the same thing. So even prior to deciding to launch into Canada, we had so much demand for this level of sophistication and frankly, separation between medical products and the recreational products. Great point. So we, we offered this strictly medical line and it's actually launching this week in Canada. We have a significant number of clinics and hospitals and, and clinicians and researchers plus patients that are all very excited about this. And I think it's going to have a, a significant impact on the market. I think it's going to be it already is the most advanced medical line that's available in the marketplace. And um, we think it's going to be very successful. And the launch, which is this week, like I couldn't have asked for a better launch. If, you know, George, you were to tell me three, four years ago, one day you're going to launch your products in Canada. And the day you launch your products, they're going to be available through the largest pharmacy chain in the country, Shoppers Drug Mart, and available in another channel, which is University Health Network, UHN, the largest clinical network of hospitals in, in Canada. I would, I would hug you. I would hug you and kiss huh. you and say, wow, you know, I'm going to launch my products in my own country finally, and I'm going to launch them through the largest hospital chain and the largest pharmacy chain. It's a pretty good start, you know? So I think we're in a, we're in a very good place. Uh, that's and that's, again, why I introduced Avocana the way I did at the, at the beginning. The best, I told everyone watching and listening, this is the best untold. So look, even some of your own shareholders may not know this, you know, this love, this depth of, of, uh, of engagement communication here, but it's clear that you know you're you're gonna make some great waves here. Cannot wait! And when you said you'd hug me, even in a COVID environment, I would hug you back with a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> with a mask on. Let's switch over to the pharmaceutical side. 
I love what you brought up earlier. I love that you said that. You said, look, we're a biopharmaceutical company, but we knew that if we just did the pharmaceutical side, it could take years before we can come to market with something. So you generate these. It's amazing that you guys went down that path and generated the other products in order to create cash flow and financial stability in the meantime. I love that because sometimes it's just too hard to wait years to see what a company does and nothing else. But you've, you're doing great things on the, on the pharmaceutical side. Uh, tell us about your research initiatives. I don't mean deep dive into science, but obviously biopharma, you know, the pharmaceutical side is, is massive. It's what you said earlier, right? Uh, what parts of that industry are you attacking through, uh, through, through, through your side? It's uh, a good question. I mean, we, we, we targeted three major areas when it comes to pharmaceutical products within the cannabinoid space. So one is dermatology. Uh, we're, we have a phase two clinical trial now with the largest children's hospital in Canada called Sick Kids, and that's a, disease, a rare disease, orphan disease called epidermolysis bullosa. We're obviously looking at pain, and we're conducting a phase two trial on chronic pain where we're trying to measure the reduction of opioid use. And then, and then third is we're looking at some actually more general areas of, of neurology, such as epilepsy and MS. Now, if I was to tell, ask you, George, do you think cannabinoids have a potential for medical use? What is the answer to that? I would say, yeah, they, they must have potential for medical use. Given years of anecdotal data, historic right. use, et cetera. So we all agree that cannabinoids have potential in medical utility. But we also saw Sanjay Gupta, by the way. That's probably what kicked it off for everyone a few years back on CNN. Unfortunately, she passed away years later. But the epilepsy girl who was having Charlotte, Charlotte, yeah, right, who was having hundreds of seizures a day, and with his own eyes, he saw medical. He saw medical. and he changed his mind, right? So right, right, and so that was before the, before the times ten. Yeah, and, and that was before the FDA approved a drug, Epidiolex by GW Pharma, who've been the pioneers really on the pharmaceutical side. The point I'm trying to make is there's medical pharmaceutical efficacy with cannabinoids. And for that to be regarded as an actual drug, something that every doctor in the world would have to then prescribe for a particular indication is enormous because we know it works in areas such as chronic pain, epilepsy, sleep, anxiety, depression. There's many areas where there's already that existing data. So contrary to many of the, the, the other pharmaceutical development companies, you actually have a higher potential of success because we do know it works in many of these areas. So pharmaceutical development of cannabinoids is actually quite de-risked because you know that it's going to work in a very high likelihood. What's missing is companies that have taken it very seriously and have actually done robust science, robust clinical trials, and actually generated that data. So we are in that process. We're doing it uh, in parallel with our early route to market products that are generating the revenue for the company today. But the longevity in, of, of this industry on the pharmaceutical side is enormous. And the optionality that we're providing to shareholders while generating revenue, being involved on consumer products and medical products is you have access to the potential of build multi-billion dollar drugs. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's, GW Pharma's done it again. Their revenue is going up quarter by quarter. When our drugs get to the market, when our pharmaceutical drugs get to the market, the difference will be that I'm cultivating it at a pharmaceutical level in Colombia my cost per gram of flour is four, five cents. So we're producing at such a substantial discount and we're using advanced formulations, pharmaceutical clinical packages that we will have very good margins when we do get there. But that allows, like, the other business models allows us to really get there. 
Now, um, you mentioned cultivation before we get we before we get to that because that's that's the last part, and I love that part too. You also talked about going to market. You're in phase two on three different products, uh, which is which is great advancement there. How how soon do you think it might be until your first products start coming to market? Until you get through phase three. So once you finish phase three, you go through registration. It depends which market, whether it's, it's Health Canada and the Canadian market, which will be a DIN, or you go through the IND pathway with the FDA. Um, I would say end of 2021, early 2022 is when you start seeing these drugs. Um, but I think a part of that story that needs to be mentioned is, is Avicana going to necessarily take the drug by itself through the rest of that pathway? Uh. And I think the answer to that is probably not because we are an intellectual property company. We're a drug development company. We may develop it and go past phase two, but there's an opportunity for an exit before phase three, or there's an opportunity to collaborate with big pharma to take a drug into phase three because they have that infrastructure. They have the know-how to go from, you know, a successful phase two into a phase three in a drug registration. So the reason why we're that well diversified is because we have the intellectual property and the intellectual capacity to do many projects at the same time. That doesn't mean that we're going to conclude on all these projects on our own. It's the same way we have a commercial partner for distribution for consumer product. I don't want to go out there and do the selling, you know, so we're, we, we are the IP company where and I think that's something that in an era today with COVID is actually quite attractive because intellectual property doesn't see borders, doesn't have flight restrictions, you know, IP travels quite freely. And, and every, with every minute that goes by in this interview, you keep, releasing more and more great morsels. And I, I love the fact that you as a company have decided we're not going to go running around trying to do everything. We're not going to be the sales arm. We're, we're going to do what we do best, intellectual property, and then we're going to bring in the partners to do the rest, whether it's a distributor in Europe or distributor in another part of the world. You're not going to go under, you're not going to take the expense uh, and the time and energy and the distraction from being this great science-based you know, intellectual property company. Uh, uh, I, I love that. And I can't wait for, it doesn't sound like you're far off. I mean, end of 2021, beginning of 2022, that'll be around the corner. But the twist around that, and I never thought about that. And I'm sure shareholders probably haven't even thought about that. The twist though, that you may get far enough down the path that you have a major pharmaceutical come to you and say, hey, can we partner You've de-risked it to this part. It's not fully de-risked, but we're willing now to become partners with you. Uh, give the company a handsome check plus, you know, some of the kick down, down the street without, now you're giving up some of the upside, but you're also completely de-risking it for the company. I think that's a fantastic yeah. model. Yeah. And I mean, pharmaceutical companies are circling around, right? They're, they're looking at this industry. They're meeting with some of the large Canadian companies and they're saying, okay, so what do you have IP wise? And generally, there isn't much there, right? And, and I don't want to sound arrogant, but, you know. No, it is what it is. If it is what yeah. you got to say. Right? They're trying to establish brands and they have basic MCT oil formulations, you know. And, and I mean, pharmaceutical companies for, for, for hundreds of years acquire companies, acquire technologies, yep. co-develop yep. technologies based on intellectual property, based on patentability, based on actual data. And that's missing. You know, there's very few companies within the sector that have the level of sophistication and data and IP that a company like Avicana has. So as those companies get closer to wanting to make an, uh, an investment or an entrance within the sector, they're going to look at companies like us that have the intellectual property, have the intellectual capacity, and then 
which will probably be a segue into the, the last division, have the vertical integration in place. It's very difficult to have the, the scientific platform that Anavi Canada has from a research. We have three research licenses in Canada, inside University of Guelph, University of Toronto, inside Mars, to clinical, which we have collaborations with the best hospitals in Canada, GMP manufacturing. We're partnered up with Medifarm in Canada, with Altea in, in, in Colombia. So, and then of course we have the raw material and the cultivation. So not only do I have the IP, but if I partner with a pharma company, I have the entire vertical integration in place in case this product does go into drug final stage and commercialization. And that's something that's not existent in the sector. It's just amazing. And, you know, and I, and it wasn't going to do the deep dive into that, but now as you brought all those partners in, it really is a behemoth that very few people know about. And, market cap under 50 million dollars it's just almost it's just almost silly right? right in the next in the next 12 months i think the world is going to turn around and say why did i know you know why didn't i pick up avocado back then you know but but here we right. are and and now the story is being told last part the last part of the company the the cultivation side yeah. uh you've got you know you've got 500,000 square feet there uh you made history i didn't want to say it but tell us about the history you made and then we'll talk about uh, why this isn't just George's greenhouse where I'm just planting all sorts of seeds and growing and calling myself a cultivator. There are cultivators and then there are cultivators. But how did you make history on, your, on the export side in Colombia? Uh, we, we, we made the first ever industrial scale production of feminized cannabis seeds in, in, in the world. Uh, we, I think, harvested 82 million seeds. And we made history by being the first to export that out of Colombia. Um, and then we made history by being the first to import that into the United States. So it, 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 was, it was a pretty exciting week because all of that really happened within sort of a week or 10 day period uh, where we made history three times. Um, and it, it just shows you a little bit of how the company functions, even on the cultivation side. It's very research focused. We've spent the last three years doing a lot of breeding programs. We developed a pretty interesting uh, uh, strain or cultivar that has upwards of 17% CBG, which was once a rare cannabinoid. So we cultivated that commercially. And that's CBG, just for people who may be listening at home. Uh, if you, a lot of people don't know CBG. We all know CBD, but if yeah. you can, just really quickly touch on what the importance is of CBG. So CBG was once, or until very recently, a rare cannabinoid. You know, like you have genetics that are expressing, or cultivars that are expressing 20, 30% THC sometimes. Uh, which for, for adult use, recreational consumer, that's, that's exciting. You have genetics that express, you know, 20% CBD in the flower, which is very good for extraction purposes for companies like us that utilize CBD. But you would never, you would never find a genetic that is expressing more than 1% or 2% CBG, which was a rare cannabinoid. So, so through our breeding programs and years of development, we developed a genetic that actually has 17% CBG. So CBG is another non-psychoactive cannabinoid like CBD. Um, it has a better affinity, so it, 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 it attaches to the CB1 or the endocannabinoid system and receptors better than CBD does. And we believe it's gonna have significant therapeutic effect in a number of areas. Today, CBG is already being added to many formulations around the world. There's many products that are being commercialized because it's non-psychoactive. It's kind of like CBG, CBD where it's hemp derived. So we, we produced, 80 something million seeds of, of CBG shipped up to the United States. We're now commercially producing CBG. But to take a couple of steps back, why we're doing all of this in Colombia is because 
at some point we realized that as a biotech company, as a pharma company, we need to be vertically integrated. We need to control the value chain. And that was really for three right. reasons. You know, one, we wanted to control the quality because a medical and a pharma company has a different specification and requirement than a, a, a flower that's going into a joint. Two, we wanted to control the cost. We knew that in Canada, even though we're Canadians, it doesn't make a lot of sense to cultivate here in an industrial scale. And instead of, like many other Canadian licensed producers, uh, uh, you know, getting assets and licenses in 10 countries, we did our research. I traveled to nine of those countries, and then I chose Colombia. So we're in Colombia. We're in the Santa Marta region of the Sierra Nevada, uh, where we have incredible climate, 12 hours of sunlight all year round, 30 degrees Celsius all year round. We don't have to use fans and air conditioners. We have a sustainable organic certified by the USDA cultivation project where we're producing, you know, four to five cents a gram. So a massive discount to the Canadian American cultivation projects and we're doing it organically and sustainably. So that's where all of this really started. But we are producing, as you mentioned earlier, 500,000 square feet of canopy. We are, it's industrial scale, but we still take the scientific approach to it. So we're always experimenting, we're always developing new genetics, we're always developing new extraction methodologies, we're always developing new cultivation methodologies. But all of this really gives us the third part, the benefit of the cultivating Colombia, which is diversification within our revenue streams. We've already been exporting CBD, for example, into eight countries. So we are actually selling the raw material. We're utilizing it in many different products and many different markets. So this level of diversity really de-risks Avicana in this very turbulent market that we're all in right now. And more than just lip service, I don't think you mentioned this, but the uh, the Colombian facility is U- the product or the facility is USDA certified organic. Yeah. Right. So it was, Which is it was a huge differentiator. That, absolutely, it's the first one that we've known of in Latin America to get you know, hemp or cannabis cultivation under USDA certified. Uh, and today, the, today you're not seeing a massive premium for organic versus conventional, but you will. You know, I mean, like everything else in, in the world, people prefer organic. When, you, and you're, when you're talking something that, that, that's botanical, that's a plant, there's a substantial benefit in having that organic. Absolutely. So we're ahead of our time. We know that, but it, it's the right pathway. And, you know, like we always say as the executive team, it's a new industry. We've got a blank slate. You know, we've been doing this for five years, but we've got a blank slate. So why not do it the right way? Why not do it economic, make money, but yet be organic, sustainable, socially responsible as well? You know, from the beginning. I, I give you guys credit because uh, obviously you must have seen some really wild valuations on companies that can't even hold a candle for you guys. And that must have been a little bit frustrating a couple of years ago to know that you're going down the right path. And when just George's cannabis company is running in, getting a $600 million valuation because I got a couple of greenhouses in Ontario and that must have driven you nuts. But the fact of the matter is we know that quality is built over time, but it lasts. And you guys have built something unbelievable, Ras. And I think, I don't think we scratch the surface, but there's so much more about the company that we'll save because we, we don't want to do a deep dive into all of it, but it's really amazing what you guys have accomplished. Uh, very proud to be, you know, representing you guys and getting your story out. I do want to play devil's advocate though, uh, because I always want, you know, people watching this always know that, I, you know, I want to ask the hard questions or the question that people even thinking at home, right? Which is um, you're, you're not a mega company yet. You're definitely ready to be there. You've got all the making. So I have no doubt about where you guys are going, but 
in the meantime, you've got several verticals here. Can a company of your size uh, handle all of these and properly execute them? Are you, or do you run into the, the problems with trying to manage all of them? Because they're all doing great, right? You don't have any dormant divisions. How do you handle that without the company uh, being under too much strain? It's a very good question. Um, I think the first answer is having the right team. So I take a lot of pride in saying, when you look at my executive team, it's the same team from the last four or five years that have only, we've added, you know, specific global sort of key opinion leaders and, and, and scientists, et cetera, but really the same executive team. So we are experts at this. Second, our focus is the IP. So when we develop a formula, we do the research around it, we have the backing, we have the center operating procedures, that's transferable to many different contract manufacturers around the world. I'm not the one manufacturing. I'm not the one that's going to then put that cream into a bottle, right? So we're, we're, we, we provide templates and documentation and specifications that need to be met. We develop brand, we've already developed brand guidelines for Pura, for Rogue, for our, our raw material business that are established at a global level. So the model is very scalable. The model is very scalable with a small team, which actually allows us to, to, to really ride out this sort of chaos that's happening both at a global economic level and also in the cannabis sector. You know, so I think the model is designed to be replicated elsewhere. I think it's scalable. Um, I think we have the right team that focus on different aspects of the business, like our team in Colombia, which also includes a lot of researchers and scientists, but mainly executives and agricultural engineers. They're running that division very smoothly. I used to go to Columbia every two weeks and now because of COVID, I haven't been there in seven months. And as you mentioned earlier, we're still making history. So obviously I've, I've, the, I've got the right people there, you know, executing. My team in Canada is managing everything from research to clinical and commercial. So I feel very good about where the company is going. I feel very good about where the industry is going. But the one part that I miscalculated was that when the, this bubble does burst, I assume that investors and the audience is going to say, well, there's the good guys and there's the bad guys. That's what's but happening that, right now. Yeah, but it, it, it didn't happen in that way, George. It's everyone's like the, the negative impact on the sector was a, was a blanket impact. Right. The first wave is always throw the baby out the bathwater, but now everyone, we can almost see in the market that people are starting to say, okay, we know this can be a great industry. Right. Let's actually pick, pick the, the companies on merit. Forget about how many ads you're going to run on some site and forget about how many newsletter writers are talking about you. Now it's going to be on merit. And look, I got very little doubt that Avocana is going to, is going to be one of the, well, I sh actually, I shouldn't say it. I'll, I'll ask you, but do you really, do you think Avocana in the next 12 months is going to be become part of the new leadership in cannabis? You know, we know all the big names that have been circulated for, for a couple of years, three, four years, and they've all flopped. Is Avocana going to be part of the, the second wave of companies to say, okay, here, they are one of the true authentic leaders in the space? I believe so. I think, I think it's well-deserved. And I think if you look at our partners within the cannabis space and non-cannabis space, it's world-class. We're talking about in Canada, we work with Shoppers Drug Mart, with Medifarm, with UFT, with UHN. And you take that as an example, the fact that we're thought leaders is, is, is no longer, I think, a, a secret. You know, I think it's, it, I think the industry, the, the medical community, they all know, you know, and I think the work we've done, the credit that we have within that community is very well established. The capital markets and the retail investors are, are not really, uh, you know, 
they haven't seen, they haven't been exhibited the information to know a lot about Avicana. And frankly, we, were, we haven't been out there telling the story. We've been executing, right? So that thought leadership or leadership position within the biotech, science, clinical, medical, we, we already have that in my opinion. Um, I think more people will see, but in the next 12 months, what will happen is people will see the products in the market. People will start seeing the revenue, you know? And I think that will separate Avicana from the many other companies that have been telling a very good story. Yeah. 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 Actually executing rather than talking about it. Aras, thanks so much for today. This has been a fantastic interview. It's almost like a coming out party, I think, for Avicana to really start. So uh, I have no doubt you're going to be back. Uh, but in future interviews, you know, we'll tackle things individually, you know, your verticals. For example, we'll talk about once the launch has had some time to, to breathe with shoppers. We'll talk about that once the yeah. global distribution have started. We'll sit down and talk about just that. But a fantastic overview. And, and on behalf of us and all of your shareholders, even really a big thanks for, for taking the time to have, this, uh, to have this webcast. Thanks, George. It was a pleasure. You've been watching Aras Azadian. He's CEO and co-founder of Avicana. The company trades on the TSX big board under the stock symbol AVCN. For those of you who are in the U.S., under AVCNF, that's on the OTCQX which is also a, a prominent exchange there. And finally, for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under ONN. Now, you've watched, what you've, uh, Aras, uh, you've watched what Aras had to say or maybe heard it because you've been listening, either playing it on your, on your, on your car or maybe even through our, uh, our podcast. Now's the time to do your due diligence. There's a lot of information we know uh, to absorb here, but we also know we got across in a way that made it very, very easy to understand now get over to Agoracom, punch in the company's name or stock symbol, get to the profile page where we've laid this all out for you. Really nice, easy to understand, but still detailed enough to really get the, the depth of this company. Start your due diligence, uh, get over to the company's website, and hopefully what you found is your next great cannabis company. Thanks for joining us. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you next time.